Hey everyone, welcome back. My name is Sam. And I'm Melissa. I grew up in the FLDS community. It's a polygamous group run by Warren Jeffs, and I moved out when I was 18 years old. I was raised LDS. Sam and I have been married for eight and a half years and have two beautiful babies. Yes, we do, and we are excited to be back with you today to discuss a little bit more about one of these groups. This one is called the Mennonites. Yes, we've had lots of people um, comment about that, and as we've been following some of these other small Christian groups like Gloryville and the Hutterites, a lot of people have been like, we need to do the Mennonites and the Amish, which we know they're pretty similar, yeah. but we wanted to start with the Mennonites for a couple reasons. One, we are able to find a video that was easy to just react to that whole video because sometimes it's hard to react to like a lot of different information. And on that note, with the Amish, there is so much information. Yeah, there, there's a lot with the Mennonites as well. There's a lot, but uh, with the Amish specifically, there's just, it, man, there's so many documentaries, so many YouTube videos. So if any of you have a specific video about the Amish or the Mennonites for that matter, uh, feel free to email that to us or uh, leave it in a comment. We would love to have something more specific, I guess. Yeah, to be able to follow up on. So yes. um, definitely send us that information if you know of a really good one. And if you'd like to hear more about what it was like for Sam to grow up in polygamy, please like and subscribe. And thank you to all of our members here on the YouTube channel and for all of our donors who donate through our website. We really appreciate all of you. Yes, thank you all so very much. Getting into this video, I will post um, the link below to this specific video that's kind of introducing the community. They're following one group in particular, um, you know, as most documentaries do, yeah. <laughs> but they give good insight to generally the way that they live, and then specifically this one group that is continuing that the um, Mennonites are known for trying to find really remote places to live in order to keep themselves away from the world, which is kind of interesting. That's a little bit different. It, it, it seems to be kind of their, a part of their religious belief is to stay away from the world in not only physically, but also in the way that they think and act and, and uh, the things that they're allowed to use, you know, and, and this is like, like we mentioned before, this is something that's similar to the Amish. There are some very distinct differences though, and maybe later on we'll do a video comparing the two of those groups uh, to get into more of the differences between them. Yeah, getting into this video, one of the first things they talk about is education. Mm -hmm. And they talk about the fact that, I mean, they're a Protestant German group, and they, the Bible is the only textbook, which is a lot different than the FLDS. Didn't you guys have like regular textbooks as well? We did, yes. Uh, at least for, you know, the math and the, the English and the... Uh, that's about it, I guess. Uh, writing and that type of thing, but you know, you know, similar to the way the Mennonites are, our a lot of our history was from the Bible and and scriptures and that type of thing. Same with science. So uh, when it comes to that, but it's, it sounds like they only use the Bible even for you know they said everything, counting poetry, but like all reading was done was just done the, Bible. the Bible. They were just reading the Bible to learn how to read and how to write and those type of things, which I found really interesting because a lot of other ones, you know, they'd either, like the um, Gloria Vale, they said that they followed actually um, the states, or not the state, the country's like standards and practices. Yeah. Um, so their kids would have passed like state tests or right. country tests as far as that goes, but definitely not the Mennonites. So a big 
focus on the Bible and they go uh, through, they just go up to about age 13. 13 and then after that they are done with school and they are, what they actually said is they, they continue their education in the field. Yeah, which was just like the Hunterites, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're expected to, at about 13, go to work, which is also what the FLDS right. also did. And honestly, if you never plan to move away from a community like that, you don't necessarily need a degree as a lawyer or a, you know, you name it, financial planner, if you are not planning on going out into the, the big world and, and becoming or having a, a career in one of those type of things. So if you're going to stick in this community forever, I guess it is very important that you get out and learn how to survive uh, off of the land. Yeah. And I mean, obviously a lot of these smaller communities, it seems like part of the reason too, they don't want anybody having to go out either, right? They right. want to keep everybody in the community. And if they don't educate them about the outside world, then there's no way for them to want to leave. So, uh, just because you bring that up, the Amish I know give their people a chance at a certain age to, and I don't want to switch this whole thing to the Amish. Just, I, I'm just curious if you if you noticed anywhere. I did not in this video. Did they talk about the Mennonites giving that opportunity? No, it did not seem like they gave their youth. At least in this video, they didn't share that. Maybe someone can drop a comment if they know more about that. It did not seem like the Mennonites were planning on their children ever having a chance to, to, to like leave and go decide and they see. want to be a part of it forever. Yeah. yeah. It seemed like they really um, one family that was stepping away a little bit more and they talked about a group of the people in this particular community in Belize, um, they had a they were kind of breaking off. They were starting to have their own version of the Mennonite community where they were allowing them to drive cars and they were allowing them to have phones because even having a phone, like my heart went out to the guy who was the doctor now he didn't have a doctor degree at all right. um but he taught himself yeah he taught himself through biology books and his mom was a nurse and so he was a community doctor and because he felt like he should have a cell phone in case he needed to call like an ambulance or an emergency taxi to be able to help people um he was kicked out and shunned from the community right yeah and there are a, a huge there's a huge variety of uh, mennonites uh, you know, there's there's the Mennonites that only drive their horse and buggies. There's the Mennonites uh, the groups that will actually drive cars. Uh, it just like there's this huge range of what they're able to do, and and some of them are now uh, using technology like uh, like uh, computers and that type of thing. But the ones that are more traditional are very much don't use technology, candle lit homes, horse and buggy. Uh, that type of thing. I'd say that's the fundamental, like, the fundamental side of Mennonites is, like, no to any modern technology at all. Mm -hmm. um, but like you said, there are definitely break-off groups, but I've, even in the show, the group that was breaking off and, like, starting to accept small, I mean, we're talking, like, small pieces of the modern world, um, I know they would probably still call themselves Mennonites, but oh, obviously yeah. Mennonites themselves wouldn't have called them Mennonites. So you gotta, I, I'm curious like if they split off, like if they're calling themselves something different to separate themselves or if they're just trying to say, I'm a Mennonite too, I just do things a little differently. Because they said that there's 350,000 Mennonites in the world. Yeah, uh, most of the bulk of them live in Mexico, other ones live in Belize and other Central and South American countries, some in Europe, Canada, and even some in the, in the US as well. So yeah. they're kind of all over the place and there's quite a few of them. Um, and it, yeah, like you said, I believe that, um, 
I don't know if the traditional Mennonites would consider those that continue that that start to accept technology if they would consider them Mennonites, but I know that those people that are changing with the times still consider themselves Mennonites. Yeah, see, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like um, the LDS Church, or people will know or talk to them or refer to them as Mormons, right? And then there's breakoffs of the main LDS Church, and they may still consider themselves Mormons. But the mainstream LDS church would not look at them and say, no, you're not a part of our church. You're practicing polygamy or you're doing this or you're doing that, which don't line up with our beliefs. So while they may identify as being part of the religion still, the mainstream religion says, no, they're not a part of us, right? Right. And I yeah. feel like it would be the same with the Mennonites, where the Mennonites, the people who break off and are doing things different than their core doctrine, are going to be like, you guys are breaking off. You guys are not us. But they may still feel like they are because they're right. still holding on to whatever doctrine they feel like. That's true. So it is interesting for sure. They had a lot of similarities to the FLDS in like dresses, having to be a certain color. There was definitely a lot more restrictions than light, the Hutterites. I think they said light light colors for the young girls and dark colors for the older To show that they were married women. because uh -huh. they couldn't even wear wedding rings. No right. jewelry, no makeup, um, which seems to be pretty common, the no makeup. Um yeah, but the fact that it was even down to the colors and that they like bought from their community storehouses and stuff, and, yeah, very similar. It's all they would buy it within their own community. That kind of feels similar to the way I grew up. We had our own grocery store and that. But something that stuck out to me is oh, before I say that, uh, someone asked and you brought up makeup. Someone asked one of the ladies there, "Why don't you wear makeup?" And did you remember her response? And she was, was like, "I don't know. I don't know. It's just what we're told to do." <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be a, a pretty for for these communities where they just follow exactly what the leaders tell them to do. A lot of times they don't know why they just do it because that's what they're told to do. Obedience, right? Yeah. So yeah. that seems to be pretty common. I know that was the, the same within the FLDS community. A lot of things we didn't know why we were doing them. We were just told to do them. So that was that. Uh, yeah. And, and then I just wanted to point out something that stood out to me pretty early on in the video is. All of the men, including the older men that are married, are clean-shaven. So there's no beards. They do wear uh, hats, mm -hmm. but no beards. And flannel. The fact that, or yeah, not right. flannel. Sorry. They're they're plaid. There we go. They're plaid shirts. But they had to wear plaid. Did you have to wear plaid, or it just had to be buttoned up, right? No, it was just buttoned up, long sleeve, but it did not have to be plaid. No. Oh, okay. No. So look at them being a little more stylish than you guys. I know. I mean, <laughs> we didn't have the fancy hats either. And their hats had to be uh, white, I believe. The Mennonites' hats were all the to same. Be white. I noticed their buggies were black, generally speaking, those that uh, were still using the horse and buggy. So I don't know if that has a, a color, any specific reason, but their buggies all seem to be black. Yeah. One thing, even though they're not polygamous, obviously they're not, but um, they said more ch the more children you have, the closer you are to God. So they're talking about one of the men had 20 children, and I was like, that is a lot for one woman to have. That very close to God? They, they, would, close. they would be very close to God. I heard a lot of people say the number seven. Seven seemed to be a popular amount of children to have. But I don't believe they would have prevented children. Mm -mm. So I guess, but they, they someone mentioned that ten or seven to ten seem to be pretty common. Yeah. So lots of lots of children. Yeah. I mean, no. they didn't ever mention contraception. It seems very clear that they would not have any contraception. Right. Um, very typical patriarchal 
um, which happens with most of the small Christian groups. You know, they said they have roles. You know, the women are supposed to be in the home, taking care of kids, cooking, cleaning. The men are supposed to be on the job site. The one guy who only had daughters, his oldest daughter was helping him do like metal work and engine work. And he was like, she's only helping me because I don't have a son. You also have to wonder if that would have been allowed to have his daughter help him in that type of work if he was a strict traditional Mennonite because he was the same one that was starting to do some of the things like he has a cell phone now and they were listening to ooh, country music bad stuff and you know and that's how I was raised too country music wasn't allowed so was any music allowed even what I don't remember the Mennonites really maybe leave a comment here uh, they, they said the country music wasn't allowed that he was listening to on his cell phone but I wonder if they had their own music that they would create it did not sound like it. They said no music. No music. No music, which was, again, a little bit different because I feel like a lot of the small Christian communities um, have choirs and a lot of music and instruments and stuff because the one family had a guitar and they said that was against the rules and they said, you know, they're supposed to be focusing on work. So no yeah. TV, no music, um, no sports, nothing like that. Um, Interesting. But yeah, very... Okay. Yeah, because it seems like in a lot of... In a lot of not just small, but Christian groups in general, music is used as a way to teach, to, to almost like teach doctrine, mm -hmm. to uh, help people feel what they call is the spirit and uh, feel like they're really, you know, getting involved and, and feeling the Lord's presence. Music yeah. is used a lot for that type of thing. So it's interesting that they chose not to have any music. No music. And all of their meals were in silence, which I mm. thought... Sometimes with little kids, like if you could train them from a young age and have like a whole meal of silence. <laughs> when you have toddlers, that sounds really nice. I don't know how they get their kids to do that. But at the same time, I'm joking because we love beginning to talk to our kids about like how their days are. So for most people and like for us, we, we always ask the kids like, what are you thankful for? Did anything make you sad today? Did anything make you happy today? You know, like those type of questions that we always try to talk about around the table. So it's interesting to have the idea of a family meal without like talking at yeah. all. <laughs> I love that you find that so odd and interesting because I remember when I first uh, became a part of your family that I noticed how much you would converse with your family at the <laughs> dinner table. And I thought it was, I was like, wow, these people like talk a lot and like to, <laughs> to uh, you know, ask how your day was and just I didn't know conversations about everything is at the dinner table and, and we do that too at our dinner table now with our children and it's great but growing up and in a lot of other families uh, it's not really that common and growing up we were told and this might have been a family thing not a religious or church thing but we were told no talking at the table really okay so my family like I, you've never told me that before yeah. that's so funny I, there's so many things that I just didn't even think twice about that I, I probably would have told you if I thought it was interesting, but you know, when you grow up in it, you just think, oh, that's just the way it was. But you have to also remember there were 20 something of us at a dinner table. It would have gotten loud. Imagine if all of us, a lot of us young children all started talking at once, it would be very loud. Yeah, okay, now everyone needs to leave comments and tell me, are your family, like, do you guys talk around the table or does everyone just sit there what, quiet and eat what's your or family take a like no, a loud family or a quiet family right? <laughs> it's even just about loud like i feel like having family around the table and talking about your day is pretty normal now granted my family is louder than most people but even without the noise level i'd still say 
talking about your day around the family dinner table is pretty common. I, I think maybe I'm wrong. Now we now we have to know. But with with our little family, we we talk and ask how everyone's day was. It seems we, I mean, we try to not talk with our mouths full. We're not trying to be impolite, but we do like to to just kind of see how the day was and talk to people about that type of thing. Yeah, and I feel like when little kids get like home from school and stuff, they just want to play and run. So for our six year old, it's our chance, like where she's in one place with us for you know a good 30 minutes and we can actually ask her questions about her day and like really get to know how she's feeling about what's happening at school and things like that so yeah it's like a chance to corral them into one place all together at the same time and talk but yeah and i think i think it's pretty common once again leave comments i think it's pretty common for families to want dinner time to be family time uh, and that's why you hear people with rules like no cell phones at the table no distractions at the table. We're here to eat and uh, have a conversation. So, or or, just or like be quiet. Family time, but you can be quiet while you're but, here. But don't, but don't say anything <laughs> to me. <laughs> so funny. Um, one thing that was also very similar was the follow. You have to follow all the rules, or else you'll be banished. Can't talk to anybody. Be ex they even use the word excommunicated. Mm -hmm. um, you know, be kicked out of the or church. Exiled. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so I was like, that's. You know, same type of thing. It seems really common with all of these smaller groups that when people leave, they are cut out of everything, which is so sad. Like, I wonder where that comes from because that's not like biblical that I can think of. Like, I can't think of a single place in the Bible that's like, I don't know, like cut everybody off from you if they don't believe the same as you. I don't know. I mean, I guess there's stuff I mean, there's, about not wanting to be, like, tempted, right? right or right. having temptations around you, so maybe they consider them temptations, but... Or bad influences or, or things like that. I mean, huh. Yeah, that's a, that's, that, I, I, it's a good question. Where do they get it from? I, I know that for the FLDS, where I grew up, it was bad influence, uh, them bringing something to the community that wasn't welcome or wasn't wanted, and... One of the big differences, though, with uh, all these different communities we've been covering is it seems like even if they were exiled or shunned or excommunicated, they still got to live near the community or still in the community, maybe even sometimes in the same house where they were before, just that they no longer had good relationships with the rest of the members. Mm -hmm. But in the FLDS, that wasn't allowed. If you were excommunicated or exiled, you were thrown out of the community. And, that's uh, true. So that's one of the big differences. Yeah, and I, it's kind of the same in the sense that it seems like the church owns all of their properties the same as the FLDS. Because my first thought would be, well, the FLDS, they own all of the properties, and so they were able to kick people out mm -hmm. easier. Right. Um, some of these people might actually own their land, but I think a lot of the ones that we've covered, the land is also owned by the church as well. So mm -hmm. them letting them stay on it in their homes is probably just them being nice. Right. <laughs> Instead possibly, of like physically possibly. kicking them out. And even in the FLDS, I know that there were some people that just stood up against the church and said, no, I'm not leaving. And sometimes law enforcement was involved and different things. But there were a couple that rebelled against the church and said no. But for those that wanted to try to quote unquote repent and, mm. be, and come back, those were the ones that were willing to just leave as they were told to. Yeah, and it's interesting that 
like Hilldale and Colorado City, Short Creek area, is pretty like secluded up in the mountains on its own. Um, but the lengths that they went to the Mennonites to be secluded was crazy because most of these other groups, like even Gloria Vale, would go you know into town or. Um, do things like that, or the Hutterites would still deal with people on the outside. You guys would work for people, right? That's how the FLDS had so many thriving big construction um, businesses is to work for other people, where the Mennonites were talking about, like, they try to be as far, like, literally just physically as far away from civilization as possible. And this family, I mean, they're already, like, in the tropics of Belize, that's mm -hmm. probably not tropical, but you like, you know, they're like far out in Belize and they are in very rural area. And then they decide to buy a piece of land in Peru, in the Amazon. In the Amazon. And they were showing the trip to get there and it was insane. Yeah. And people were like, I didn't know people lived out there. Like people in Peru couldn't believe that they were buying land like where it was. And they were like, there's 50 of us, there's a whole bunch of families, we are just, oh no, sorry, 40 families. 40 families. Not 50 so people, 40 people. families. Moving to Peru, and we'll just start fresh, we'll just build everything fresh, we don't do electricity or running water anyway, so it won't be a big deal, and just willing to start but, over just to get away from the Mennonites that were not following everything perfectly. Right. It is interesting though, because they would buy things from the outside world, like on their way, when, or once they showed up to Peru, they went and shopped for some mattresses. Yeah. So I guess the things that they aren't able to make, those are okay to buy, but the rest is bad to buy. I don't know. It's interesting. Like, where do you draw the line of what's okay to buy, what's not okay to buy? Or like they can't drive a car, but they're allowed to ride in they a car if somebody else uh -huh. is driving. It's it's almost like they uh, they they don't want to they don't want to give up the conveniences, but but at the same time try to stay away from them the, the best they can. I don't know. It's a, it'd be a tough line to know what's okay and what's not okay in this modern world. I, sorry, I don't know why this is coming to my mind as like a similarity, but growing up LDS, like nobody's supposed to go shopping on Sunday. And mm -hmm. so did you guys ever have like the designated person? You wouldn't have. But growing up LDS, if we ever needed something on Sunday and we weren't supposed to be shopping on Sunday, it would always be my dad who would take on the responsibility of him being the person who didn't follow the Sabbath day. So if we ever had it, it would only, like, only he would be allowed only to go to the one store. Of you would break only it. one person was allowed to, like, break the Sabbath. And so it just reminded me of that. Like, okay, you have a line, and you know you're not supposed to cross it, but if you have to for a certain reason, then you try to, like, minimize the sin. Like, as if there's some kind of, like, gauge to it. Yeah. I don't know. That was just funny. It just came on my mind. I forgot. It's so interesting. <laughs> it's so interesting. Because if you're sending someone, if you believe that, that no shopping on Sunday is the only way to live and that's and everything else is sinning, and but and you send someone to go get something for you, you know, like that... that Dad I, is willing to take on the sins of the family. <laughs> that's what it felt like. It was like, okay, he's able to take on the sins of the family in emergency oh, situations. Yeah. But it seems to be pretty common that, you know, I, I remember... Growing up, my, my father was very against working on the Sabbath. Like, nobody works on the Sabbath. I, he says, I never have, I never will. But when we were gathering, we were out in a quarry gathering rocks for the big wall around our fence, you know, he wasn't happy about it, but it landed on a Sunday one day when we needed to go gather up the rocks, and, and so it was okay, right? So it's like, 
if something needs to be done, then then the people are willing to make an exception. It seems like in 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 most things, you know. Yeah. So not just the Sabbath day, but anyway, they bought their mattresses. Mm -hmm. So they were buying some things from from the outside world. And they only had to cover their heads in public instead of in private. So Gloria Vale. Um, the Hutterites, they had to wear, like, scarves over their heads mm. the whole time. But the Mennonites, I thought it was interesting, only when they were out in public, other places, not when they were in their community. Like, the women didn't have to have head coverings in the community, which I thought was interesting as that well. That is interesting. So, um, what was the other thing? Oh, and, like, when the grandparents were saying goodbye to their grandkids, I thought, man, that's, like, a true goodbye because if they're going somewhere, like, in the middle of the Amazon in Peru and there's no cell phones, you know that you're not going to be able to have any communication. So when somebody leaves the community, even if it's to, like, build another community, it's still kind the of goodbye forever. would be difficult. you got to wonder. They didn't mention this in this video. I know there's a lot more information out there. Maybe one of you know. Do they write letters to each other? Like, paper. Do they write paper letters like back in the day? Yeah, I don't know how any mail service would get to where they were in Peru, but if they could, then then probably, probably. Um, and that they could only shake hands. The grandparents were shaking the hands of all the grandkids and their children and saying goodbye, and they said they're not allowed to like give hugs and kisses, and that made me a little sad. Yeah, and some of it, you got to wonder if it's, if it's not allowed or if it's just culturally that's the way it is. That's the way I grew up. When we were when we were really little, we would give uh, we would have family evening prayer, and then we'd all go give father a kiss on the cheek and go to bed. Uh -huh. But as we got older, it was a handshake. It wasn't much. Even with the the children with the mothers, it was there wasn't a whole lot of affectionate like physical uh, touch and that type of thing. So I wonder because it was so similar. When I saw them shaking hands in the airport saying goodbye. You know, it made me kind of, it looked similar to the way it would have been for me as uh, growing up in the FLDS. Well, that hurts my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying like, uh, because, yeah. I, because I grew up in that, I didn't think that it was, I, di I didn't think of it as a, it would have been a sin if someone would have given me a hug or a kiss, but it was, um, yeah, it just, it just seemed it wasn't like, as common. yeah, just the way it was, so it seemed okay. Yeah. It was a very interesting video. It was fun to get to see some of these. Again, please leave us below any comments of any other videos. We want to do at least one more on the Mennonites yeah. we we're talking about today that talks a little bit more about their doctrine and maybe we can do some comparisons between doctrine rather than just like some of the rules and some of the culture. So yeah. if anyone has a good video for that, let us know, leave it in the comments. If you want to hear more of what it was like for Sam to grow up in polygamy, then please like and subscribe. And yes, and thank you all so much for being here once again. We look forward to talking to you soon. We'll talk to you all soon.